so that Ryan can relay these details to a female voice in Ireland. He thinks first that he is speaking to Dan's girlfriend, Gina, for while Dan likes to surround himself with young ones, to intrigue them with hammy tales that span the breadth of Europe till they allow him to de-stress between their legs, he doesn't tend to employ them. But this woman is not Gina, as Ryan realises when she responds to his soft tone with a bored one. He modifies his in response. Like, are you getting this? You're literally just giving me an IBAN, she says, and it's as if he can hear the eye roll. Fuck it, Dan says to this minor annoyance. She got it, it's fine. They go downstairs to the bar, and Dan buys Ryan a pint and a tumbler of Jemison in a remodeled snug decked out in LEDs and a scavenger's hall of kitschy artifacts. Ryan has been dry this past while. An idea of Corrine's, if his constitution is weak, then he must stop testing it. But it occurs to him now, that the drinking needs doing if he intends to rejoin the race, and so he will take the poison, bear his chest on the altar, dare the gods to take him. He's not yet fucked on the drink. It made a monster of his mother and his father, and there are times he considers denying it its chance to make a monster of him. But not drinking is admitting you're broken. He's not ready for that, certainly not in front of Dan. Two pints, one Jemison in, Ryan goes to the beer garden for a cigarette and to phone Corrine to reassure her, because if he makes today his first official day back at work, then he feels it went well. She can hear the merriment around him. Jesus, Ryan, are you out? I'm done for the day, he tells her. He is giddy. He wants her here with him. Nothing would constitute normality better than that. She is usually up for a Saturday night out. He tries to remember how many exams she has left. I'm having a couple with Dan. And did you tell him? Tell him what? Ryan, don't play the prick that you're done with them? No, Ryan says. He points his cigarette at the sky and rubs his forehead with the flat of his thumb. So you won't quit? It's not that I won't. He's not going to let me walk away. That's not how this works. So what you're saying is, I'm being pure silly because once you get into this shit, they don't let you out again, and you're a lost cause, Ryan, and I should stop trying, yeah? That's simplifying it, he says. It's not a simple thing. I earn for him, you know? Stuff like this can't be done overnight. A lot of things can change in a night, Ryan. What's that supposed to mean? There was a night not so long ago when I thought we were just having a row, and suddenly you were someone else entirely. She hangs up. He phones her back, but she doesn't answer. He lets the call run into her voicemail. Come here, girl. I know what's bothering you. I can fix it. I just have shit to do in the meantime. You just need a bit of patience, like. He sees Dan come through the back door of the pub, and the man looks content. Ryan says, just wait for me, Corrine, please. Dan approaches, a tumbler in each hand. Such great things ahead of us. And behind, as he looks over his shoulder at their fellow smokers, there are fellas dotted throughout, holding pint glasses through which the light refracts, making little lanterns. But it's mostly girls, two dozen maybe, bare-legged, in pale dresses with flat, glossy hair. Ryan catches the eye of a brunette with feathered eyelashes and cherry lips. She smiles. He looks away. In the far corner of the beer garden, Dan arranges lines on the tabletop, behind the crook of his arm. He points once the lines are drawn, and Ryan knows that this is a test more than it is a kindness, that if he wants to insist he is all right, then Dan will expect him to show it, snort a rail, prove he's able for it. He does not want to accept. He is well on the way to drunkenness, and with that may come panic, disintegration, a jumble of limbs, lung spasms, tears between a rock and a hard place, he thinks, and thinks then of Camaristi 
under the manifest peculiarities of the Neapolitan language. He takes the line. He concentrates on holding himself together. Such great things, Dan elaborates. His interest is not just in money, but in the byproduct of money. He wishes autonomy for himself. He is not, he reiterates, interested in paying homage to robber barons. He has spent long enough bringing offerings to the likes of Jimmy Phelan, whose only real advantage is that he came of age a decade before Dan. The cocaine spurs him. His eyes bore into Ryan's as he delivers his sermon. Oh, they will prosper. They will dominate trade in the city, and while only the very best will know their names, everyone will intimately know their product. Entrepreneurs, thespians, stay-at-home dads, models. Look around, Dan says, at the good people here, with their degrees and their careers and their ways and means, and all the things they...